You're listening to ORN with Austin and Ashley. pretty good podcast um we got through a lot more or a lot less than i thought we were going to get through because uh we still had the master and apprentice book to review and we didn't quite get to it uh and i know that i kind of got a feeling austin that this might this book might be in your wheelhouse is that correct uh maybe (laughs) yeah that's what i thought all right, so this book was written by Claudia Gray, who's becoming, quickly becoming, one of my favorite Star Wars authors. Um, what what do you think about her? Oh, I mean, I'm huge, huge fan. So she's done became, that's that's the southernness, done, she's done became. <laughs> wow. She has, yeah, she's, uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of hers. We went uh, to Dragon Con. And yeah, I got her to did. sign like every, I think every book I had at the at the time. So I think I every, I think I have every book signed because that was when you and I went. Her last book was Leia, but, but Leia was yeah. was the last one before Master and Apprentice, right? Yeah, and and you know I've never read that book. I got it autographed and it's just been sitting there and oh, I hadn't okay. oh, the Leia had book. time. Yeah, is it good? It's it's pretty good. It's okay. It's it, I would say okay. it's probably my least favorite of all the Claudia Gray books, but it's it's just more because it's it, it's almost the way Padme goes. It's like there's really no uh, major yeah. conflict. It's more. It's just really good to see how she interacts, you know, around her parents and just the you know right. the, how they you. slowly bring her into the into the you know the rebellion and all that. Okay, so Claudia Gray has written Lost Stars. That was her first foray her into first the Star one, which, Wars. Which was the, the – she jumped in with the Goblet of Fire, as I called it, because I remember the yeah. the celebra- or the the unveiling of the, the toys for Force Awakens and then the books yep. that were going to come out for that Force Friday. And they showed her book. And, and I remember when they grabbed it, I was like, that can't be the, the book. That book is huge. And it, oh, they said yeah, it's it a young a adult thick, book. Man. And they grabbed like it. It's like adult. the Bible. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I know it's you. So, yeah. so okay. So she wrote Lost Stars, then, and which was a fantastic book, which I had right. a little minor issue with one particular thing, but you know, other than that, it was a great book. <laughs> right. What? What else? Um. Did she, did she did write? Bloodline. She wrote, Bloodline. That was the Leia book. It was like the the pre yeah. uh, Force Awakens novel. Yeah, and and that was pretty good. Yeah, that was a decent that was, read. That too. was a good one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Leia was the next one. Uh, then she did Leia and then she okay. did a short story, um, where it's Obi-Wan kind of communicating with Qui-Gon in the force. She, and that she was did in for, the, uh, the anthology book. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The, um, the 40, 40th anniversary book. Yeah. I so, that. And that was one of the better stories out of the whole, the whole book in my opinion. Yeah. She did a good job with that. I was excited when I saw that it was a Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon thing. Cause if you remember, we were at that panel and she mentioned mm-hmm. that if Lucasfilm would let her, 
they, you know, she wanted to do a Qui Gon and Obi Wan story, and I, and of course, that spoke straight to my heart. I'm like, oh, I want, I want a new Qui Gon and Obi Wan story. <laughs> no one, she had already started writing it. Yeah, yeah, know? she had to, have, had to. Have. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking, I was thinking about the timing on that. I was like, she either just had had she had to be deep into writing it, or was in negotiations to do it, and she was saying that because she just really wanted to get that out in space somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think it's, she was probably, well, I don't, I mean, I think she, yeah, I agree with you. She was probably right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I love you, Claudia. Thank you. <laughs> and and then now she debuts Master and Apprentice, oh. which is a book about Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi. And uh, it takes place roughly 10 years before The Phantom Menace. I would say about about 10 yeah. years because um, Obi-Wan is about, well, yeah, something like that. Because Obi-Wan is about 17 in this book, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So. <clears throat> so we really, we're, I mean, this book really teaches you a lot of the dynamics between a Jedi Master and his apprentice, too. Because that puts Obi-Wan at closer to 27, you know. Yeah. Which, yeah. During I'm, the Phantom Menace. And I'm fine with that if they want to go with the, um, with pushing the aging a little bit in the stories. Yep. I'm totally okay with that because it makes it, it helps a little bit. <laughs> because yeah, you know, between. the aging can be a little iffy. Because some people age okay and then some of them have, you kind of had to be like, whoa. Well, the, the sands of Tatooine. Exactly. You know, really age a person. <laughs> right. Yeah, so that that's the way I look at it. That that the atmosphere there mm-hmm. is harsh on the skin and the hair color. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I understand. Yeah. So, um, okay. Just in a nutshell, this book is about um, Qui Gon and uh, Qui Gon and and Obi Wan go on this little small adventure to start it off against some random hut. I can't remember. What hut it was? What, who was it? It you wasn't. I mean, it wasn't Gardell. I remember, like, it would have been cool if they had that. Why, yeah. Was it? Uh, was it Wanbo? Yeah, that sounds. Wanbo. I something. think it was like Wanbo. Yeah, hut. yeah, that sounds familiar. And um, then they get called back to Coruscant after they take care of this little issue, and of course, um. The council drops the bomb on Qui-Gon. Hey, we want you to be a part of the council. Yay. No, not Qui-Gon has to think about it because he'd have to drop a Padawan because it's never happened before that a council member has a Padawan. Um, and uh, then they get called to, I mean, they get, to, they're told to go to, um, to this planet to oversee a uh, signing of some sort of, uh, oh, what was it? A trade agreement. Yeah, or, or, pretty or, much. It's or like a hyperlane, hyperspace lane agreement or something. Right. Well, it was basically yeah. there was a and it, it was a political dispute out there, I, I believe, and uh, that was going on there. That was, of course, it was reminiscent of Phantom Menace type stuff. Yes. Where Qui Gon <laughs> yeah. and Obi Wan get sent to kind of kind of see what's going on and try to chill everybody <laughs> out. But I think it was the mainly the reason why it was like that is because there was already a Jedi that's there that they had to they were just going to assist. Mm-hmm. Because there was a connection between him and Qui Gon. Yep, so. and then the story just kind of goes from there, 
as to how they deal with the situation and the ramifications that come from the situation they're put in. And I don't want to, I don't want to spoil the, you know, the ending of the book for anybody, but we, we do, we do want to talk about it and tell you how good it was, because I think it was to me, it's one of the best star Wars books I have read in a long time. Uh, what, what what's your overall thought, Austin? I mean, I, straight up, that at least the first because I was worried. You know, I, I love Claudia Gray, and I feel like she's pretty much had a solid line, and she's been the strongest author of the new line. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, I just feel like people have all been so restrictive recently that even the best writers they have, they just kind of the books aren't that impressive. But this mm-hmm. one. I'm like out the gate there, you know, they're, they have like some action. There's, you know, you already have like the Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan dynamic, but it's, it's still, there's, you know, it's not quite there. It's broken, but it's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just, it's out of the gate. It caught me and I'm like, okay, she, she knows what I wanted. It was to be honest. And I don't want to say it's a rehash at all. And it's, I mean, it's not, it's just, it was very, it, it was as fulfilling a book as if you remember cloak of deception in the original timeline written by James Lucino, which was a Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon adventure. Although that one was way more straightforward. There was no, you know, if anything, it was more of a Qui-Gon book, but there was no Qui-Gon Obi-Wan focus as much. I mean, it's, they were, it was yeah. just, they were there. It was, a, it was basically like looking at Phantom Menace and having all the action beats of, a fan, of the Phantom Menace. But yeah. this book, it was, this book is kind of like a spiritual uh, sequel or a re, almost like a reboot in a way where this time we focus on that relationship between Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan by pushing it back you know, quite some time before Phantom Menace and uh, making it seem like it did. She did a really good job of doing how I think like JJ Abrams and all of them, you know, kind of turned us around on the star Wars universe post return of the Jedi where everything Mm -hmm. doesn't end up so hunky dory. So Mm -hmm. with Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, they make there's, you know, there's a, in the original timeline, there were a series of children's books called young apprentice. I don't know if you remember those. But oh, yeah. he told the story of Obi, a young Obi Wan, and how he he became Qui Gon's apprentice, and it was a you know long drawn out process, and there's a lot of drama and all that kind of. It was a really cool. So I, I thought it was a great series, and you know since the timeline got rebooted, I thought well, you know we lose all of that. That's one of the the hard ones to see go because that was such a good series. But um, mm-hmm. at least with this book, it's sort of like an echo of that where we we go back and instead of it just being like oh okay well you know, everything just went as it was supposed to. Obi-Wan was, was handed over to Qui-Gon after a certain age. And then, you know, and then it just kind of everything unfolded as it should until episode one. And this, it's like, no, they almost, they almost weren't meant to be because there's conflict there between them in the beginning. Yeah. They're so different in their thought processes. Exactly. Like, like from the very beginning, the the setup battle between Kenobi and Qui Gon in the hut, you could you know there there's scenes where Qui Gon's kind of looking at Ken- during the battle, just looking at him and trying to say, do make this move or do this, you know, trying to feel each other out, and then Kenobi does the exact opposite, right. and 
Qui-Gon's always thinking, oh, I failed him. You know, I'm not, we're not meant to be. It's not a good fit. Right. He just um, keeps defeating himself instead of trying to like think of a way to, to fix it. He's just think he thinks it's already broken. Like he's, there's just nothing he can do, which it makes yeah. sense because there's moments where, you know, you'll just think like, yeah, you know, how could he come back from that? Cause I could see how Obi-Wan would be brokenhearted by that or, you know, just feel betrayed or, you know, things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And and Kenobi does some backstabbing things too now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's you know? a, he could be. I mean, he's a he's a really he's a do gooder, but at the same time, it's almost to like a he's like a little narc. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna go to the council and tell on you, Qui Gon. Yeah. The council, I'll go to your, I'll go to your boss. I'll go to your boss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you told oh, me geez. go straight to the top. <laughs> And you know, and it's it's kind of cool to see that dynamic um, between Qui Gon and Kenobi, just to to give us a look at what it's really like. Because you don't really, get, you know, with the Attack of the Clones, you see Kenobi and Anakin, in but and you get a sense of their relationship. But this being Star Wars Episode Two, you know, it's an atypical relationship between them. Mm-hmm. But this this book kind of makes it seem like. There is this little, um, I don't know, this pull and this tug and and push between a master and apprentice in every relationship, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, it, it just kind of explained a little more to me about about how that dynamic works, which right. was, was was interesting because I've been looking forward to that. Right now, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Now, the one thing that I didn't like. Out of this whole book, the book is great. Like I said in the beginning, um, it's one of the best Star Wars books I've read in a while. And this is my complaint about a lot of these books, especially ones with Claudia Gray, The Lost Stars, and and this one. And I know I'm probably an old curmudgeon, Mm -hmm. but really, we have to talk about the Jedi sleeping with uh, with somebody, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, he was, but see, that's the thing is he was, you know, he was already down. He's was like the Quinlan Voss, you know, he's da- dancing around with the the outsides, the outskirts of the Jedi. He's, uh, pretty much, he was kind of wrote the order off, like he just really wasn't even going to report back into duty. <laughs> yeah, and and I get that. Which was she was trying to choice, convey that right, but yeah. that choice in itself was kind of odd because it again you start to to when you start to go down that path you start to come into question, you know, you, you're starting to put a lot of, like, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of words to, to describe it. It's like when we talk about, like, putting too many Jedi into the storyline of a, of a storyline that is supposed to be pushing the point that a Jedi are almost extinct. You don't want to, all yeah. of a sudden, there's like a bunch of Jedi running around. So with this, it's like you don't want, like... Like, you don't want, because you have Dooku. Dooku in this story is the focus of, I, I guess I like the way she, she, the character is great, and this this is the way it works, is the fact that he is connected to Dooku. But, you know, Dooku yeah. is one of those is where he walked away from the Order, right? And that was a yeah. very weird thing to do, and nobody else had done that in, what, a millennia or something? Somebody hadn't done that in Something a like time. that, yeah. So, yeah. so you know, that's that's a big deal for somebody else to be almost the same flippant way where he's just like, oh, I'm not even with the order either or whatever. You know, he's he's kind of doing his own thing, you know, breaking every rule in the Jedi book. <clears throat> yeah. But it was, um, 
Yeah, it was it was definitely very odd. Yeah, it was weird about you. You were talking about him uh, having sex and, and yeah, drinking and, and, and just you know. Hey. And get, get, correct me if I'm wrong, but did they use the word "laid" in it? I'm pretty sure. I think that, and that's, yes, a, that's thought, one thing I've uh, yeah. noticed in in a lot of the the you know the new Star Wars books is that there'll be words, and I'm you know it's because these are younger authors, and also they. You know, it it's is. just a thing. There, there are certain words that get put into the Star Wars books that you know when you when that and I feel like when that happens, it also becomes canon and it shouldn't be. So yeah. I would, if I were the, the editor there for you know for um, uh, uh, Random House or whatever you Del yes. Rey, um, I I mean I would still you know have to skim through and if I find keywords like that, we have to take it out or replace it with something else. And you and you got to think it's not just the editors at Delray. There's also probably somebody at Lucasfilm reading it too, right? Exactly. And, so and for that, that to get through, through two layers, I mean, that was just awful. To it me. all it almost because, feels like it's one. It's almost like the story group is comprised of a lot of younger guys that are that are so disinterested. Like they're not worried about that. To the where I guess maybe we're in the minority, but I just always felt like that was a that was a very cool thing about Star Wars is that Star Wars has its own language and then there's certain things that are in our language that just aren't there. And like yeah. like words like crap, they're not gonna say crap in Star Wars. They're just not yeah. gonna mm-hmm. say it. And I think that's in one of the books. Yeah, and and two though, not just not just the words, but the the actions, the actual spelling it out in the book kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Because like I said, man, Star Wars is for kids. And I know that, you know, some people well, I want a grown up Star Wars. I want to read a grown up Star Wars. Well, you can read a grown up Star Wars, but it doesn't have to include that. I mean, it's, first, and, and maybe it's just me, but I put Star Wars up on this pedestal, right? Where... This is how my Star Wars should be. You can tell any kind of story you want. You can go anywhere you want with it within these boundaries, right? I don't want to see real world stuff. And and if you if you want to have uh, adult situations, don't go any further than Han and Leia kissing in the hallway of the Millennium Falcon. Right. Well, yeah, I, I get it. You know, I, my thing too is just the fact that they say the word laid because it's just, you know, it's yes. such a, it's such a, I mean, it's not a bad word, but it's still supposed to be a very, like a sleaze type word for the American language. And yep. I would, yep. I just feel like it would be, I would invent a word for it in, in the Star Wars universe. I wouldn't say laid. <laughs> yes. I would invent a word. Yeah. And it just, yeah. yeah, so stuff like that. And I, and I, you know, I get it sometimes when you're writing, you're just going to, you're going to put that out there. You're going to be like, oh, maybe that'll work. If not, they'll, they'll push back. I get it because you're under deadlines and things like that. So I'm not going to be like Claudia Gray sucks now. I can't stand her. Oh, writing. no, no, no. But yeah, no, because- I get it. I, de- I definitely, that would be a feedback thing I would probably give her if, if the opportunity arise, arose where it was, um, you know, if she was asking for <laughs> criticism, yeah. like then I are would you say open that. to criticism? I don't right. know. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to walk up this. and ask. But <laughs> I'm saying if I was in that, if I was in the right circumstance, I would say it. Yeah. But otherwise, whatever. Yeah, uh, and like I said, the the good more than outweighs this one little issue I had, and this was literally the only issue I had with the book. Yeah, the, the it's story just was... when I when I was driving down the road and I heard that word, I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Yeah. 
I, Im- I immediately thought, how did the editors not catch that? Right. Yeah, I'll, I'll do that too. I'll catch that when I'm reading it, and I'll just be like, okay, Austin, you didn't see it. Just keep going. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. It's just yeah. like we're reading the first time when you're reading Chuck Wendig's first book, when you're reading Aftermath. It oh. was just like, ooh. Like, it, it's, it's jarring, but then, like, you know. And everybody, I think if you even look at book reviews online and things, you'll see it's like, I don't know if you ever, dude, did you finish the series? Yeah, I did. Oh, yeah, okay. I was going to say, didn't you notice how it, it like, it changed drastically after the first book? Like, the, it did. the style, like, it he very really, much did. Yes, he it really did. Yeah. adjusted, he reined that in. And, you know, that's, that's fine. And I didn't hate the first, I mean, I, I love the first book too, but it was definitely jarring. So I was like, I was appreciative of how he sort of reined it in. And at the same time, he, he, gr- he grew from the first book to the second book because in the second book it was it was superb i mean it was definitely yeah. a, a way for him to to explore i mean we're not have, trying to have the chuck windig hour but i just want to say he did a good job yeah. of but, but being able to write in his language but but really make it star wars language so that by the third book he had it down pat it was masterful so with yeah, claudia the- gray you know she's she's been that way too she's just really good with writing star wars characters and writing star wars language so i yeah, I can agree with that. Um, but and just certain just, times, these things like the 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 yeah, some of this stuff you're just like, uh. <laughs> I will say on that first book, first Chuck Wendig book, I I didn't enjoy it, not because of the story, because he introduced some good characters in that book. It the the his writing style just was totally different from any other Star Wars book I'd ever read. Very, very, read, you know, so yeah. it was just like weird. Um, but he did improve. From the next book to the next, which the third book to me was the best. Um, yeah, that, that was the best of that. But back to Master and Apprentice. Um, it's it's interesting uh, that you know they did say that no um, member of the Jedi Council did they didn't they say that no member of the Jedi Council had can had had a Padawan like while they were on the council. Think maybe that I was the point where they it, they didn't or because that was the whole thing with Qui Gon. He's going to have to give up Kenobi, right? I mean, of course they all you know, they all give up their Padawans. I mean, I don't know if they, I don't know unless they outright said that they, you know, I mean they they give up their you know their mastership, I guess, whenever they do that or they're supposed. So to. so what so what that leads me to is how long has Yoda been on the council? Because he trained Dooku. Right, right. So if if he couldn't have a Padawan, hmm. But how does again, that work? Um, he did train. He did train Dooku, but didn't didn't Dooku have another? Did was Yoda? Nah, because like, attack the clones, dude. He said, uh, "Ah, my old Padawan." Remember when they face off at the end? No, really. I mean, I, I right. Yeah, you, know, you have a point. So you may be right, but I'm saying they could also play that off as saying that. Well, any of the masters could say that to any of the the people. Yeah, Padawan. You know, but um, I guess. But I, I was thinking that Padawan is more of a. Yeah, it's like a learner title, but it was a particular learner to a particular like. Person, you might be onto something. I mean, it may be a good a good story idea. Maybe uh, you could tweet um, Joe Casada with that. He probably he probably would respond. <laughs> yeah. Oh well. Yeah. I could. Hey, Joe. 
I know you're doing some fancy things up there at Marvel, but let me tell you about what I think. Oh, wait a minute. You know what? I said Joe Casada, didn't I? He's, well, he could probably help you. Because <laughs> yeah. they probably have, he has to know everything about Star Wars, but Pablo Hidalgo, if you tweet it, Pablo Hidalgo. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Was, excuse me. I'm sorry, Pablo. But if you, if you tweeted him, you would probably, uh, he would probably respond. He probably would. I mean, I feel like I've seen him field like really good questions. He would. He'll like if he if he's able to. He usually responds. Maybe yeah. I'll do it. Huh? Oh yeah, take my credit. Won't you do that, Austin? Everybody I mean, just takes my credit. I say we just we just keep spamming him with the same question over and over and over. <laughs> just make up every accounts. single day yeah. till you answer. Yeah. Uh, yeah that, I, but that does bring up a good question because if that was the case, then. You know, 900 years have I trained Jedi, and only in the 923rd did I become a council member. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know? Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Wow. That's what I'm saying. So there's there's definitely a good a story that probably could be told there. Hmm. But, I, you know, the thing is, is I, I really loved how with this book you got – I think really when I knew that I had a really good read was when we started touching on, like, the, the Dooku – in the Sifo-Dyas thing and everything that's going on there. Yeah. And like uh, him leaving yeah. the order, talking about like him leaving the order and the council and then Qui-Gon dealing with the council and all that. I thought that was just like, oh man, that was such a really, really great story that she was able to, to unfold there. I mean, I was, you know, we could have had even more, but you know, I thought the, like the mission stuff was pretty cool, you know? Getting to see yeah. Qui Gon try to work with Obi Wan and show like show him diplomacy and when to you know when you know, basically like when to intervene and then you get to start seeing Qui Gon having the visions and things like that and starting mm-hmm. to question his link you know his his purpose in the Force and his link to the Force and things like that. Yeah, and then um, just the I don't know the the questions it it raises that. Yoda was the only council member who didn't want Qui Gon. Yeah, as a council <laughs> yeah. member, he, he was actually the one that was like, "Hmm, I don't, I don't think he's ready." And but mm-hmm. of course, he he. But I love how he's just like he acknowledges that he was outvoted. So he he's like he is staying on the council. <laughs> you y'all wanted him here. He's staying here. He's going. <laughs> yep. Yep. And then of course, Yoda ultimately is in Qui Gon's corner. You know, as far as, you know, he, he, Qui-Gon thinks he saw a vision, you know, that hadn't happened in a while. Um, for a Jedi, we should believe, we, you know, if Qui-Gon thinks it's real, then maybe we should take him at his word and this is what's going to happen. Um, so I thought that was, that was pretty neat too. Yeah. And then just, just seeing a, a, a Jedi like, uh, oh, what's the, what's the guy's name that was Count Dooku's apprentice? Are you talking about Rail Avaros? Yeah, rail. Just uh, seeing the dynamic between him and Qui Gon since they were kind of close. Yeah. But seeing how a Jedi who um, lost his Padawan blames himself, and and then the Council putting him on this planet to kind of make up for it by by kind of um, I don't I don't what do you call it fostering the Queen there as she grows up, and and just see him falling away from from the Jedi Order. Mm-hmm. And and how he like kind of worked his way back into normal normal life and the way Qui Gon reacts to him. Right. That, I mean, that little dynamic was was kind of cool too because 
I, I just knew at some point in this book they were going to fight it out. Yeah, I thought I thought so too. I mean, they you know and they I thought there was one moment I was thinking in my head it would have been great to write like a fight scene between like maybe like Qui Gon, Obi Wan, and Rail. Mm-hmm. And and it it becomes like a way for them to to learn to fight together, which is it'll get reflected later when they fight like. You know, like they they know every move the other's going to make during the duel of the fates. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Oh yeah. So I. So to wrap it up, I mean, if you hadn't read this book, you hadn't seen this book, I you definitely need to. And and you're looking for a good Star Wars book to to read. Definitely go pick this book up. Yeah. You, you will not be disappointed. At all, yeah. Basically, um, basically, you know, we don't want to give the whole story away, so it's just you know, yeah. we thought it was great. I mean, you you'll like it. It's it's set you know about ten years before Phantom Menace. You get to yep. see you know Qui Gon and Obi Wan build their relationship. It, it, you know, they basically take a, a broken relationship and can you know it, the question is can they mend it? And mm-hmm. you know, you get to see a mission. A mission to a new planet, Pajal. We'll, we'll give that name out there. Pajal, you'll see a new mission. You'll, mm-hmm. you know, <clears throat> you'll see, you know, sort of like the, you know, ties to the Qui Gon, the the Qui Gon and Dooku story. You'll have, you know, like a really cool. You'll have some new characters that get introduced that are pretty interesting. Some some mm-hmm. echoes of sl- the slavery discussion that they talk about in, you know, from the Phantom Menace, obviously. And they yeah. also you remember they talk about in the um, the uh, the queen, you know, the Queen Padme, uh, Queen Amidala Padme book, Queen Shadow, is that what it's called? Yep, yeah. yep, Queen they, Shadow. I see, think. and yep. they talk about slavery and that. So there's there's some more that echoes in this book that echoed in that. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's all around like <clears throat> like a a to me, it's an A or an A plus. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and it, and it's and it, it, I, I echo everything you just said. Uh, I I can't recommend this any more than than what you have. It's a it's a very good Star Wars book, and uh, it I think it leads right into Count Dooku. I mean, uh, Dooku Jedi Lost too. So um, I hadn't finished that book, but uh, it, this is a good primer for that book because there are some characters that kind of float between the two books, namely, obviously Count Dooku, but Rail Avaros is in that book too. So. Yeah, you need to check that out. <clears throat> so let's segue into something else. Let's segue into some more talk about Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, it looks like uh, um, some stuff's been dropping. Oh, yeah. So Vanity Fair, just out of the blue, decided to drop uh, a little article on their website. And along with it, they included a crap ton of pictures. Okay, so the first picture, let's just go through them in order. I'm assuming you're looking at the same uh, website I'm looking at, VanityFair.com. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so the very first image is a, it looks to be J.J. Abrams uh, pointing the camera at Ray filming that scene that we see at the beginning of the trailer that we watch, where she's just on this desert planet kind of looking out onto the horizon. Um, waiting for, I'm assuming the TIE fighter to come in and that's not really spoilery. It's just kind of a cool little behind the scenes picture that 
that was set up. And just to let you know, all I think all these images are going to be in the next issue of Vanity Fair. And there's two different covers, one with Ray and one with Kylo Ren. And you stick them together and it makes one big little, in, or one one image. So that's kind of, that's a neat little thing too. And if you're a collector, I'm sure you want to go find both copies of the books. They look really good. They echo the um, the Vanity Fair uh, episode one photo shoots. Oh, really? To me, they do Not, to me the the, you know, the whole desert look and everything. Ah, uh, really yep. Good. And keep in mind, Annie Leibovitz is the one who takes all these pictures, and she's been taking them for since what episode one, I believe. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, she's for, doing a great for, job. Yeah, like, they look so good. Yep. So the next image we come across is J.J. Abrams in the midst of the Knights of Wren. And they are also on this desert planet. So what does that mean? That means, you know, what does that mean? I don't know. Um, But it's cool to look at some. I mean, you can't see all of them. But they're all dressed in black. None of them have lightsabers. You know, they. it looks like they have, like, swords, machete-looking things, guns, flamethrowers, but no lightsabers. I, I was assuming that the Knights of Ren would be some sort of uh, force users. Right. Did you? Yeah, either that, yeah, and, and use lightsabers or some variations of lightsabers. Like I thought they would be the ones where we'd we'd get the um um you know, like light whips and the viper blades and things like that. Basically so you know, weapons like we saw the the Praetorian guards have for Snoke. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean I was assuming it would be along those lines. Which some yeah, of them but, kind of echo that here, but a lot of it too is like blasters and cannons and all kinds of stuff too. Yeah, and and little grenade looking things on their chests, and you know bombs and whatnot. But man, but, you, you got to think though they might just be total Jedi killers. Who knows what kind of weapons they're using, like the the blades and stuff. They that's may, true. some of them may use lightsabers, but they're probably just they probably since they if they if they are the the students that Kylo took with him. Then yeah. you know they got to be you know like Jedi killers like they just everything they have is the the best way they know how to destroy a, a Jedi like take somebody a Force user down. Yeah, I I mean I guess so. Like I, I, I mean don't know. like in the most practical way like they like a kill squad instead of being like oh I'm gonna be the most powerful person in the Force it's gonna be like okay well I know how to use the Force but I'm gonna I know how to kill you the quickest way possible so that you don't use all that Force on me. <laughs> yeah, get that Force out of my face. <laughs> but then again, they also don't. I guess since they turn and then they kill the other Jedi user, you know the other Jedi users you know, and stuff like that, yeah. if they did or whatever, um, then. There really is nobody else. So they maybe they just have I don't know maybe they just didn't have the lightsabers yeah, anymore because they just didn't think they needed. I don't know. Yeah, it, it's weird, but I mean, you can look at their costumes, and they very much have that Kalu Ren style. Yeah, lots of the lots of the patterns and some of the coats are reminiscent of his, you know, his shirt and and uh, pants look. Uh, the helmets all have a. 
not a similar look, but a Kylo Renish look. So it, it definitely looks like Kylo Ren is probably the leader of the Knights of Ren, obviously, because the last name too. But um, they do look like a formidable force there on, on that desert planet. And who knows why why they are there, you know. But it's good to know that the dark that the dark that the uh, Knights of Ren will be making an appearance in this movie. Um, the next shot we get is uh, Carrie Russell. Uh, we don't actually see her because it's got a mask on, but she is the known as the masked scoundrel Zori Bliss, and she is on uh, some planet called. Kijimi. Yeah, the snow-dusted world of Kijimi. Oh, the snow-dusted world. And she's in the thieves' quarters. So I'm assuming she is a bounty hunter type, maybe? Yeah, because it looks like she's carrying a sidearm, like on her hip. Uh, Yeah, a couple of them. Yeah, maybe a couple of them. Or blades or or something. Or maybe those are... Yeah, you can't really tell if there's like a trigger on those things. Well, I wonder if they could be whips. Look at the way they're kind of shaped. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It could have like a whip kind of thing coming out the end. I don't know. Her helmet looks like the Rocketeer. It it does look like the Rocketeer, but, you know, I'm I'm almost like it's a little too J.J. Abrams and not enough George Lucas. And I don't know how I can describe that to you other than I don't think George Lucas would have gone as far back with the helmet. You know, that's a long helmet and, and you got a bunch of little gizmos around the ear part. Well, I guess like we'll little, have to wait and see how it operates. Cause I mean, I would, yeah. I agree with you. I think it's, I don't like the back piece of it, but yeah. maybe there's a, I don't know. Maybe there's a point there or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, and, and does it have an antenna on the back? I can't tell. It look, I mean, it could be just the background, but yeah. it looks like maybe something's sticking up off the back of it. Yeah, like she's got a cell phone on the back right there, calling home. <laughs> bag phone. <laughs> she's got a bag phone helmet. <laughs> she found the original helmet. <laughs> All right, so the next uh, image is very interesting too. It features uh, General Hux standing, and then seated in front of him, Allegiant General Pride, played by Richard E. Grant. That's uh, That character reveal is not as interesting as I thought it would be. Yeah, it's definitely low key. I mean, he and he's, which I mean, granted, he's just been kind of more in the press recently just for other roles. So being connected to a Star Wars movie, they just assume, oh, you know, he could have a big part. And so, and he can't talk about anything. So he's probably just, you know, just based off the hype and him not being able to say anything, people have, we've all kind of blown his character out of proportion. But he he has yeah. kind of made it sa- seem like it's supposed to be uh, a pretty a pretty big character, or like a, somebody that he really can't talk about, you know. Yeah, and, and too, I, I'm almost positive I remember an interview where he said, when they told him the name of the character he would be playing, it was, even though he didn't know that much about Star Wars, it was a name that had some sort of meaning to it in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> like, maybe he'd be related to somebody and that we know. Maybe he this. will be. I don't know. 
But, uh, you know, I was thinking maybe he's a descendant of Tarkin. You know, uh, and that's probably two on the nose. Could you know. be. I mean, could could be one of those. I'm trying to. I, I don't know. I have to think. I have to go back and see if there are any other characters by the last name of Pride. Pride, yeah. Or the first name General. Yeah. Or the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's Calrissian. He's related to General Calrissian. <laughs> All righty. All right. So the next image that's coming up in just a second is another one of those behind the scenes shots of uh some people doing a little work on c-3po's head with an umbrella on top of anthony daniels to keep him cool uh finn walking around in front of him and chewie and ray uh coming up just behind and then a bunch of uh uh i don't know what are those production people walking around doing production type things you see the guy in the very front, the very, very front. That's the in the foreground. He's controlling BB-8, I think, or at least one of the uh, other ground droids. Because that's the. BB-8. Oh, you think so? Yeah, I think that's the. Well, that's a. I think there's a camera rig, but I think it's like. I want to say that's the BB-8 rig. That you think so? I feel like that is. I, I thought that was, but maybe I'm wrong. But it looks like it's the BB-8 rig. Uh-huh. Like at least at the very. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's just just the camera rig. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking it's a camera rig because, look, I mean, I don't know why they would have cups of coffee on top of the camera rig. What if it spilled, you know, but <laughs> it's like they got coffee laying on top of it. I don't know. That's a, but they said this is for a chase scene. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's why it's on rollers so they could, you know, pull or push that thing. Yeah. And this is probably that scene where we see, uh, C-3PO holding on to that big pole because that is the ship. Yep. That's the ship. Cause you can see it's kind of got the, the sail mast behind C-3PO where he kind of leans into it there. Yeah. So Poe po is probably somewhere not too far away walking around. Yeah. He's, he's definitely probably in the same, same scene. Yep. And then of course they really want to get across the point. The C-3PO is in this movie. So the next picture is another picture of C-3PO getting wiped down with an umbrella on top of his head. But you got BB-8 right beside him. Hmm. No R2. Where is R2? Hmm. Alrighty. Alright, then we keep going, and now we're getting into some interesting stuff. So this first image is Finn and the new character, Jaina. Or Jana, I don't know how played by Naomi Aki. I don't know how you say that, Jana. Jana, maybe. Yeah, you definitely want to don't want to say Jana because that, I'm like, no. oh, that'll get the fandom all riled up on it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Jana. Yeah. Okay, and um, they're riding horse-like animals called Orbacks. It's kind of a cool name, Orbacks. Orbacks. And it says they are leading the charge against the mechanized forces of the First Order. Hmm. That's kind of cool. Now, this is not a desert planet. This is a forest. Uh, Well, I don't want to say forest, but there's lots of grass everywhere. Yeah, it's like a, it's like more like a grassland kind of atmosphere here. And the Orbacks. Kind of, if you look at their face, the, these creatures' faces, it 
looks very reminiscent of something we have seen in Return of the Jedi. Do you remember what that was? What's that? Doesn't it look? Doesn't it remind you of the the meat that was hanging? Oh, that was hanging. Ah, I gotcha. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. The the with long, the horns the and the small and the, eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the horn. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Mm-hmm. Could be. Could I, be. At least yeah, in the I, same family of. And animals. and I say that so maybe these they are on indoor. You know who knows. I don't know because the next scene is obviously on a watery type planet and I'm and I can only assume that um this is the same planet we see at the very end of the trailer where Ray and Finn and uh I think C3PO and Poe are looking out at the remains of the Death Star and they're in kind of like laying in some ocean area. Right. So this kind of looks like that. And in fact, oh, the closer you look at it, look at the, the the floor they're standing on. That's not dirt. That's actual metal. They could be in the ruins of the Death Star fighting it out right now. So that could, I mean, that could literally be Kylo and, and Rey doing battle on the remains of the Death Star. Could be, or, or on the... Um... And I'm thinking you're probably right. It's probably on the on the Death Star, or it looks mm-hmm. like it could even be on top of the Falcon. Yeah, that's that's a good point. But the I reason think, I don't I say it's not on the Falcon is because all the water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm the, I'm thinking your 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 guess is probably the one that's correct. I mean, it's which would be cool. Try not yep. to think about it now because I want it to be. If because if you called it, it's, I was like, ah, we we already. We already <laughs> All right, let's just stop the podcast right now. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> it, it erased, <laughs> or it'll get erased. Like you know, we'll get recalled. But yep. we also have to understand too that some of this stuff, um, although it looks cool, you know, we can't take everything. You know, like we can't take everything as is because a lot of times these Vanity Fair photo shoots will fool you. Oh, they will. And and two, for for you guys listening, guys and gals, this is just us speculating. This is just us talking. You know, we don't know. We're just having fun with it, right? We're just throwing this out there. Stuff that we see that that maybe we're trying to put two and two together, and maybe it equals eight and not four, you know. So uh the next next photo we see is another scene on the desert when they're actually on their little uh ship this this being chased through the desert there you got bb8 and chewbacca and ray and it looks like they're filming the chase scene there so nothing really you know awesome about that one um the next one is just a classic classic photo that harkens back to the force awakens Mm -hmm. when you get that millennium falcon cockpit shot um, and with, in this one, you have Lando, oh, God, that is so awesome seeing Lando back there. And he looks pretty daggum good right there in that picture. Yeah, he does. Yeah. I mean, he looks, 
you know, he, he looks pretty good. And then you got Chewbacca behind him and then BB eight and Poe sitting in the cockpit and, uh, the little droid Dio on the other side mm-hmm. of, of Finn's chair. So, ah, man, you got Dio, Nathan Drake, BB eight, Chewbacca and Lando Calrissian. And that joke just went over everybody's head. <laughs> I just like how you snuck it in there. I thought that was really good. Boom. Okay. Ray, Ray's going to love it. Ray's going to hear this and love it. <laughs> so the, the next uh, image is some new aliens. Um, it is some Jordanian locals. When they were, because the, the desert planet they were the filming everything on was 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 actually filmed on in Jordan, and these locals play the Aki Aki, some sort of natives of the planet Pasana. So I guess the desert planet is Pasana, and it's not Tatooine. Yay, yay! We hopefully this confirms we're not going back to Tatooine. You're this right. is Pasana. It this still looks persona. like it looks like the you could you know you could lie and say that this was from the photo shoot you know for the Phantom Menace like this is the Ma Sespa shoot right yeah you could Boom. yeah like okay makes sense <laughs> so that was a call you definitely could yep uh, but the, the little alien creatures uh, they have a nice little look to them they'll make for some good action figures yeah they will they look I always love when you have a good looking alien set yeah look really good do they have multiple arms. Like several arms. I feel or, like the one on the left, the bottom left, may could, unless yeah. it's just the folds in his coat. Yeah, but it's it's, it's, it's kind of weird looking. Hmm. He's got he's got like a tie dyed beard. <laughs> oh geez. All right. Is there any more photos from this photo shoot? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Here we go. So now we get a photo of John Williams scoring. The movie, mm-hmm. and in the background, you see uh, the movie playing while he's scoring, and it's a photo of Carrie Fisher on a jungly looking planet. I'm assuming the same planet she gives Ray a big hug um, on in the trailer. Uh, guy, I can't wait to hear what he's cooking up right there. Yeah, I bet you it's got it's probably a little bit of the you know. Leia's love theme there or something like oh, that. Oh gosh, that would just break me. You know. That that is that's so good. And uh, and that's it. No more photos. No. No, we got one more photo. <laughs> oh, we got one more photo. And I think this is the photo to pacify Star Wars fans. This is the photo to make everybody happy. Um so in this photo we have some fire and some smoke and R2-D2. And let's go on to the next photo. No. <laughs> and, <laughs> and beside R2, you have Luke freaking Skywalker. And what's special about this is there's no ghost uh, CGI. There's no sparkles, no light blue highlights anywhere around Mark Hamill. And I'm assuming this is a final piece. This is not like they just shot this and they're waiting for post to put CGI on it. Because 
obviously you got fire and smoke in the background and, and I don't know that they can make all that smoke in one. I mean, some of that looks has to be CGI. would I mean, that would be too hot for him to freaking right. stand right there. You no, know, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this, this is, this has to be a finished piece right here, a finished shot. And this is not, you know, when I first saw it, I said, oh, okay, this is uh, like a flashback to where, you know, everything was burning when Kylo Ren burned, every, burned the Jedi temple down and Luke comes up out of the ashes and, you know, is crying because everything's destroyed. That was what I call young old Luke with the brown beard and the, and the shorter hair. No, right. this guy right here is the last Jedi Luke with long gray hair, scraggly looking beard, you know. And uh this looks just like he looked before he died yep. or before he disappeared in the last Jedi. Yep. Oh me. Now, what does this mean? Does this mean Luke's coming back or does this mean he has more power than any other Jedi and he can actually manifest himself physically in this world. I, that's what I hope. I mean, there's something there, you know, I mean, it, but then again, I also said that bad word of, you know, we, we can't let these photos fool us because it could be mm-hmm. setting us up for failure. But, well, if, but if you look at, okay, look at Yoda. So when he came back at the end of return of the Jedi, he was like fully blue see-through. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. He comes back in The Last Jedi. He's a little more physical, a little more real. He's actually doing physical stuff in this world. Right. By causing lightning to come down. Oh, yeah. And he's and he's got the little blue sparkles outlining him. Mm-hmm. Not really it's almost like he's almost there, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe Luke has just so powerful, he's he can make himself come back. No, I I have no doubt that that's probably going to somehow work its way back, or at least in some way he can he can come back. I mean, just like with the other Force Ghosts, I think there's there's going to be a way he can come back, probably stronger than ever because that seems like the build up. But I mean, yeah. we can only hope, we can only speculate, and you know, I don't want to get my hopes up because for all I know, it's just going to be like a quick cameo. It's going to be basically. This you know a throwback to when Alec Guinness appears in Return of the Jedi, where he 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 appears to give some you know some exposition and give answer some questions that that we had with the series, and then you know he's gone until the very very end. Mm. So who knows? Yeah, that would suck if he comes in for like five seconds to my. I'm here. Hey Ray, here's some advice. See ya. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> But you can come back in physical form. Help us, please. Bye. Master Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. All right. So th- those are those pictures are enough to, I think, to get us excited for the big uh, advertising rollout that's going to happen very soon. And it's got to happen sooner than. I mean, you had the tra- the teaser trailer. Now you got these Vanity Fair photos. Uh, I don't know. I, I think Disney's going to go all out on this one with the advertising stuff. But I know we're running close on time. We're, we're actually running over. But I want to, um, or should we save this for next time? What's that? Just some news. Just the, the, the news of, of 
some TV stuff coming. Yeah, I say we save it for next time. All right, we'll save it for next time. We'll save it for next time. All righty. So um, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Outer Rim News Podcast. Um, if you want to hear more from us, always check out our website at Outer – or not Twitter. If you uh, Our website is www.outerrimnews.com. Um, you can find us on Facebook uh, at facebook.com slash Outer Rim News, where we have a whole – big growing community of star Wars fans who love to talk about star Wars and are very opinionated and we'll let you know. And we like them like that. Uh, on Twitter, you can find us at outer rim news on Instagram. We post some cool pics all the time. You can find us there at outer rim news. Also remember the podcast is not endorsed or supported by Disney or Lucasfilm. It's all strictly for entertainment purposes. All the Star Wars names and sounds we use are all copyright and registered trademarks of Disney and their respective copyright holders. Awesome. All righty. So that's going to do it this week. Uh, in your travels this week, I suggest that you um, check out OuterRimNews.com because I'm sure there's going to be some amazing news coming out this weekend that you'll just have to have to read about stuff that we couldn't cover in the podcast because uh, we ran out of time this week. So, you know, it might be worth it just to head on over to outerrimnews.com and see what kind of stuff's going on in the news there. Austin. Rock on everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that's your cue. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. That's going to do it. May the force be with you. <laughs> <laughs>